Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing all of Book 5 of The Return of the King and wrapping up Season 5 of the podcast. Which is bananas, if I'm honest. Yeah, it is. We say it every wrap-up, but it's true. (laughs) Once again, we are shook to be here. (laughs) Once again, I do not understand the chronological passage of time. Yeah, it's amazing. Here we are reckoning together. Yeah. It's like that meme of Spongebob where... I'm not going to be able to explain it, but it's when Sandy is chasing Patrick and Spongebob and she lassos one of them and then Spongebob is like shook at how much, like, uh, I can't even, I'll just, I'll put it in the Instagram, okay. I'll put it in the Instagram and um, <laughs> everyone will get it. This is a, uh, this is an audio medium. I can't, I can't get us there. Um, I... Just want to take a quick aside and say that one of the funniest things I've seen online recently is a tweet about, like, this is what, you know, during the week, my wife, spouse, partner, and I, right, send memes to one another. Mm-hmm. But at dinner time, we set our phones down and we describe memes to one another. Mm-hmm. And not a one thing on the internet has been truer, at least in my relationship, than that quick moment so Mm -hmm. i totally understand (laughs) yeah i just texted it to you so at least you can you can understand live what i'm talking about here oh perfect well apropos of none of that (laughs) should we get into what we're talking about today and wrap up speedily what happened in our book yeah yeah so we're gonna do our speed wrap up this is where we sum up what happened in 10 words or less which is always a feat because tolkien is verbose and it's uh, it goes against our very nature as Tolkien lovers to try to condense the whole of book five into ten words or less. Are you ready for mine? I am ready. The king returns to turn the tide. Final judgment ensues. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted something about friends reuniting there and I couldn't fit it in. Mhm. Mhm. I also I also struggled. I as per my usual process wrote mm-hmm. six or seven of these mm-hmm. in an attempt mm-hmm. to get to the 10 words and anytime I tried to like name a character or to insinuate that it's more than just the fellowship, yeah. I was over the 10 words. Yeah, all of a sudden we're at, you know, 12 and 15. Right. Right. The next two numbers after 10. Mm-hmm. Um would you like to Read yours. <laughs> yes, I would. Behold. <laughs> Drama and battles develop. Love and logic prevail. Ooh. That could be the whole that could be the whole series wrap up. That is I'm noticing one of the concerns of trying trying to sum the book. The themes mm-hmm. come across really strongly. Um, but then it's really not quite specific to book five. I mean, it is, I'm, uh, that's, you know, I think it's, it is more specific to book five than any of the other books. Because I also have Gondor receives aid, Denethor fails, because I really wanted to name that he's a mess. Boo. 
and Mordor is challenged for Frodo. Mm, that was a really good one. That hits. That hits the. That hits those points. Okay. Those plot points. Well, then that is my first read, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll we'll leave all three in. Um, so if this is by chance your first time joining us here on the In Fellowship podcast, you don't need to go back and listen to anything else. We have just summarized uh, the whole of book five for you mm-hmm. in 30 words. You're welcome. Nailed it. Nailed it. Now it's time for rapid fire fellowship building. Are you? <laughs> and a quick shift in tone. Are you ready to, to transition to the next part of this episode? I am ready, yes. Okay. So this is where we look at the characters from this past book, uh, the characters that we've met so far, and we assign them different roles in our own hypothetical community so from the characters we have met so far who would you choose to be your mail carrier and why i think that i would elect perhaps aomer Mm. Mm -hmm. i feel like he's a person of integrity he is he's got access to horses so i feel like that speeds (laughs) up the delivery process Mm mm-hmm and I would trust that should my my mail include packages, that he would be mindful about where placing them for my mm. my access. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't just leave them out on your Middle Earth stoop. Correct. He would he would put them someplace hidden and then somehow send you a picture of where they are. Yes. Yeah. It would be a very interactive process, I assume, from from Aomer. I love that. Um, I would choose the eagles, who we get just like a snippet of at the end of this book Mm -hmm. when uh, Pippin is hearing the eagles are coming Mm -hmm. because they always come in at the nick of time. They would not have a late delivery. Get that airmail, you know. I know he says he's not a carrier of packages, but he does seem to carry this story. So I would choose the eagles. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. I dig that. They're basically like Middle Earth drones, you're saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Essentially. Perfect. Okay, next question. Who would you choose as your Uber driver? Uh, I feel like Prince Imrahil comes to mind. Mm -hmm. I feel like he would respect the, like, if I don't want to talk, he's not super chatty. Mm -hmm. Again, I feel like he would be mindful about taking an expedient route, but to do so safely. Like, he just exudes Mm -hmm. kind of a level of trustworthiness that I like when I'm in a car with someone else. Mm -hmm. And you? Gosh, I think I would also choose Prince Mm Mm-hmm. Because everyone else is just a little bit too too chatty. (laughs) And I have not yet seen that trait in him. So no unwanted poems or songs while yeah. I'm trying to get to my destination. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else would sing about it. Um, and so far he hasn't fallen into, into that trap. So mm-hmm. five stars. <laughs> 10 of 10 would recommend. Okay. Who would you choose as your primary care physician slash a caregiver of some sort? Hmm. I mean, I feel like it's cheating to say Aragorn. <laughs> it's not cheating to say Aragorn. <laughs> but just because, like, you know, 
it's his hands that are healing. He really knows how to work mm-hmm. that Othalos, uh, not Ocelot. Mm-hmm. But perhaps, oh, and now I won't remember her name. But I'll stick. I'll stick with Aragorn. That's my first instinct. Okay, that's a good one. I think her name is Aorid. Aorith. I O R E T H. Yes, I think she would be a strong second option. Yes. Well, and that is, that is, I think, who I would choose. I would choose Eorith. I really prefer to have female primary caregivers. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would stick with Eorith. She's got some knowledge. She seems genial. Like she would answer questions and ask questions mm-hmm. and take her time with me as an individual. So I would choose Eorith. I think a good choice. And last, but not least in importance, who would you choose as your elected representative? I mean, I think I would pick Baragond. <laughs> Ooh, a hot take. I like that in a moment of crisis, he was willing to sort of shed the standard or protocol of how he expects things should go to make ultimately the right choice. And I think otherwise he seems like a very sort of straightforward person, which I Mm -hmm. would appreciate in my Middle-earth elected representative. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What a great option. Because, like, otherwise I – well, I want to hear who yours is because I do have someone who continually pops to mind, um, but I think they're the wrong choice. I want to explain why. Well, I was I was going to say Sam because mm-hmm. I feel like he has a lot of integrity mm-hmm. and is a hard worker, mm-hmm. but I think he wouldn't like it. I think he would <laughs> be like this is this is not what I want to be doing. This is too big for me. I mm-hmm. would prefer to be gardening. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I think I want to tell Sam that he is he is a hero by need and not by choice, and he would definitely not choose to run mm-hmm. for office. So, I'll, I'll, I'm also going to pick Baragond. <laughs> I appreciate that assessment of Sam because similarly, Eowyn always comes to mind as a leader, mm-hmm. but I feel like I want her as like a defense secretary of some sort. Yeah, because as just an elected representative of the people, and I shouldn't say just because it is a very important role. However, in her mind, I don't think that's what she'd want to be doing either. And no, so I just don't trust it. that that would go well. She would be like, am I in this house because I am a woman? Right. Let me have a sword. And we're like, okay, no, this is important. This is important. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like we have some good choices there. And I apologize for piggybacking on yours. <laughs> Not once, but twice. But I was like... Ah, that's a good answer (laughs) (laughs) that's okay i appreciate that affirmation Mm -hmm. okay so now let's let's go ahead. Let's let's shift down. We're gonna shift down a gear and get into our meteor questions of this episode. So we've each prepared a discussion question, 
as if this were a an English class and we're here to discuss the this week's reading, which essentially we are. So would you like to go first or would you like my question first? I would love your question first. Okay. So as I was reflecting back on this this book, I felt like we got a lot of people's different perspectives uh, throughout. You know, there's a lot of switching from Mary to Pippin and now we're with Aragorn and now we're, you know, over here and, oh, you guys missed this off-screen action, so we're going to tell you about it later. But I wonder in your thought, whose perspective didn't we see or didn't see very much of that you think would have added depth to the storyline? Hmm. I like that question. We get very little from folks in Gondor, mm, mm-hmm. folks within Minas Tirith, as this battle is happening. And so I think that's kind of an interesting, I think that would be an interesting rounding out of the way that our overall theme, good v. evil, impacts the everyday person's experience, impacts the mm-hmm. way that people conceive of their community. And I mean, those folks are just like railroaded through a litany of changes so quickly. Like, how does that how does that change what their experience is and how they conceive of their community? I think is a is an interesting one. So like if we could pick, you know, maybe is it is it Burgle? I never remember. Yeah. Burgle's the kid. Burgle's the kid. So I think it would be kind of interesting to get his like on the ground view as a yeah. youth of what's going and, on. In like this boy's house of where all of the yes. the boys who are too young to fight but old enough to stay behind. Right. Like a companion novel basically or a little companion mm-hmm. set of perspectives. I think that would be interesting. I would love that. I'm getting Newsies energy from their whole <laughs> yes. group. So I think it would be really interesting to see what they're making of all of this and how it's how how their their day-to-day has changed because we do get a couple like glimpses of Burgle running errands. Oh, I'm I'm running this errand for the healer. Or I you know, I'm showing this weird person around who isn't a human and i don't quite get it so yeah i i really buy into that i would like to see some more of that as well Mm -hmm. is there someone whose perspective you really felt like would have added more to to what we got through book five yeah going back to the beginning of the book where we we meet aragorn's kinsmen i would love some more time with them they just sort of show up and they're I'm like, how was their journey there? What do they think of Aragorn? What do they think of Middle Earth? What are their, how are they supporting him? Especially after the Battle of Helm's Deep and the, the sacking of Isengard and they come back and Aragorn retreats for like 12 hours with a few of his kinsmen to have this discussion, to maybe reveal himself on the Palantir to, to Sauron. There, there's a lot there, and I want more of it. Mm-hmm. I want to know what they're thinking and how they're helping him make these really big decisions that affect this whole country that they've sort of been disassociated from for a while. Interesting. It would be. And I think, too, right, that gives us a little bit of, like, a better, maybe historical version of Middle-earth. Mm-hmm. Who has, you know, been here 
how does how does the world develop mm-hmm. and how now this moment has either arisen or what it means for again sort of folks who are not in our immediate scope of the of the story of the conversation so i think that would be a really interesting addition as well yeah and it's you know they're people that aragorn really trusts implicitly and so i want to know because he doesn't he doesn't even take legolas and gimli into this little closeting of opinions and thoughts and strategic planning he just takes his his bros his numenorians and they they he, he just he just takes the other men of the west and mm-hmm. i want to know what sort of cultural discussion or you know nuances that they have there it's very interesting to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely so that was that was my thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always good to look to see who who's being a little bit left out in the book from from a storytelling perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What question did you have? Well, as I thought about the book, I don't know that I have quite a fine question, like narrowed mm-hmm. in thesisy kind of question. But I did notice that I feel like the movement that our our folks in the fellowship are building is one that is relatively flexible, open to who at any given time is a part of their community. So, uh, for example, you know, they're receiving information from, like, the hill folk that come down to the Mm -hmm. camp. The wild men. The wild men. On Burihan. Yes, they are um, pulling in information from Minas Tirith, from the Rohirrim. They're, you know, building these alliances. And that, to me, really struck in comparison to the empire being built by Sauron, where it seems pretty exclusive, right? It's like, maybe men of the South, who are a bit wayward... And then a whole group of people that he's more or less, like, creating, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about, is there something in particular about the community that our, our friends in the fellowship are building that allows them to be so flexible? Do we think it's just the imperative of defeating this closed group of individuals? Or is this something about, like, the way, you know, that they all work generally? And kind Mm -hmm. of what could we take from that into our own communities about the way that we build, the way that we build movements? Because it strikes me that that would be particularly tricky, right? Like, everybody's kind of got their own group, their own needs, their own perspectives. And so to knit together something to action would be challenging and yet we seem to have folks who are willing to provide information who are willing to supply or provide um, a safe haven for folks who are kind of on the front lines we see people who are willing to fight so it's just it was interesting to me to kind of think about those two those two perspectives as to what community looks like and it feels that uh, our fellowship is much more expansive in who they include in that definition I think part of it is definitely a self-selection 
like people who are close-minded or not open to working with others probably wouldn't come to the council that Elrond calls and then agree to join this fellowship. So I think there's there's some of that there that the the people who have agreed to work together with people who aren't like them want to do it. You know, like there was no greater convincing really needed here. But I think when we do start looking at the the wider instances, like when Han Bori Han comes in, he wasn't in the original fellowship, neither was Theoden. I do think it's the the desire of the the common it's the common goal and the common enemy. I think that really brings them together mm-hmm. and lets them work alongside each other more successfully because they're all you know, plowing forward to, hey, we just want to live happily and somewhat quietly in our land here. Let's, let's knock down these orcs. Right. And it seems even though their bonds may be situational, that they feel stronger to me than the very power-driven, very hierarchical of you know, like, for example, Sauron's mouth, right? That embarrassing Mm, friend mm -hmm. who doesn't actually remember his name and is just here to, like, talk some mad nonsense. (laughs) Um, Don't look at me. Right. No, don't hurt me. (laughs) No, don't hurt me, guys. Just kidding. Um, It's just, it, it feels so, like, their alliances feel so much more tenuous um, for the fact that it seems as though it's all driven it's out of fear right it's out of fear it's out of like maybe personal gain out of protection but it feels it feels so different right than like the widespread we're all kind of in agreement that like generally it's really bad when a single person is trying to subject a whole kingdom a whole earth Mm -hmm. to oppression and their own will so we should we should we should, you know, defy that maybe. Yeah. So I, I guess that too tells me something about the way that I'm thinking about community, right? Like there there are communities by proximity. There are communities in the sense that like, yes, I guess you are a group of people who are doing things together, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like what I expect in its ideal form a community to feel like. So that was mm-hmm. something that I think I really was able to take away from our book five. Yeah, I'm glad that you're taking a look at how the different communities are or aren't working together and what forces are or are not gluing them together. Because that is, that is a lot of, that has a lot of relevance and use, I think, in how we're, we're living in the real world and not Middle Earth and in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which I think might be a nice transition then to Mm. aspirationally what quote stood out to you from book five about how you'd like to be in community in our real world and not middle earth moving forward Mm -hmm. yes so my quote is in chapter five which is on my page 109 and i will read it for ye oaths ye have taken now fulfill them all to lord and land and league of friendship. This is a very on-the-nose quote. 
Um, there's not a lot of symbolism <laughs> here. I just, I like exactly what he's saying, even though I haven't really taken any formal oaths to Lord Land and Link friendship. I love the idea of being called to serve these different aspects of your life and to rise to the occasion to fulfill, hey, you said you're gonna, you know, help me move. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there and help you move. You said you're going to, you know, support this project. And now I'm going to show up and I'm going to support this project. The follow through of being that, that dependable person who is going to fulfill any oath, formal or not, I admire. And I would like to do more of that. So thank you, Theoden. I was going to say, this is a, a rallying cry, right? From Theoden to the Rohirrim. Yeah. So this is right before the battle on the Pelennor fields outside of Gondor. And this is one of my, I think this is one of my goosebump moments when we did this chapter mm-hmm. of Theoden. He had all these good rallying cries. Now the hour has come, riders of the mark, sons of arrow, foes and fire are before you and your homes far behind. Wow, I got chills just now listening to you. <laughs> my Oscar is forthcoming. So <laughs> I am a woman of the stage. <laughs> I have always known this about you. So that that's my quote. It's all about just saying what you're going to do and following through to individuals and to your community. Mm-hmm. What quote are you bringing to the episode? Well, my quote is one that we talked about at length in the episode, um, but it just... It's continued to resonate with me, and now I've continued to see this sort of same idea show up in a couple of other spaces in my life, so I feel like I'm um, being called to pay more attention to this. And it's the uh, page 190 on my book. The quote is... So it's it's Gandalf talking to the Fellowship really about um, what work is ahead of them. And he says... Um, you know, yet is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the sucker of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. And I like this in particular because I've seen now this the same idea show up in some of the accounts I follow online about focusing or refocusing our attention from being good legacies Mm -hmm. to being good ancestors Mm. and so i really like this idea about considering not who you are trying to please in the present or what expectations you're trying to live into but instead what can you set down what earth can you clean and set forth for the next generation or for someone who comes after you, um, making sure that you're creating as big a table, as wide an expanse, as open a door as you can. And that was a really helpful reframing for me. Um, and so that quote has continued, continued to impact how I think about community building. I love that, the, that shift from, from legacy to ancestor. Mm-hmm. It's a much less self-centered focus, mm-hmm. and we're looking at the bigger picture there, and I do think that's exactly what Gandalf is hitting on. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. Thank you for bringing, even though we've talked about that that quote before, it's a good one. So thank you for bringing it back. 
Not a problem. And shout out to, I think the account is Real Talk Therapist, who really framed that up. Um, and so mm. I want to give them credit for that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for another wonderful wrap-up episode. We have finished book five. We are halfway through The Return of the King. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to go back and visit with you, Sam and Frodo, who we have just fully ignored for a full season. So we have, and they have some <laughs> trials ahead. So I'm sure we will have lots of lively discussion yes. about their their upcoming journey. They have been busy bees while we have been, you know, floundering about in Gondor. Yes, absolutely. And swooning a bit over Eowyn and Faramir separately. <laughs> yes, separately or together. You know, separately whatever. or together. We'll find out. Book six. Stay tuned. Season <laughs> six. <laughs> Tune in next time. <laughs> so we don't even need to record like a separate promo for <laughs> season six. That's it. <laughs> That was it. You're welcome. Nailed it. Today's podcast was brought to you by The Butteries. Our music is by Robert Son and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, And thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. (laughs) Just wanted to confirm that we were all on the same page as to what was was being um, writ to the annals of human history on this fine morning. Okay, I am starting this one. So... Excuse me, I just ran into the door there with my wheelie chair. Um, <laughs> you really are hyped. That peanut butter toast really got the peanut you. Butter, the peanut butter toast, the, the coffee, the sun is shining, Ugh, the tank okay. is clean. We are <laughs> ready the to go. shining, the tank is clean, the tank is clean. The tank is clean! <laughs> oh, that was a great callback. I wasn't prepared for that. Not today. Not today. So, here we We're go. Ready. Uh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This has been a roller coaster of ASMR experience for me on the listening end. <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm sweating through my sweater. <laughs> oh, God, that one just woo, popped out. It's the peanut butter toast. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we've placed, we've laid a lot at the feet of this peanut butter toast. <laughs> the peanut butter toast is responsible for the whole morning. <laughs>